Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Learn From Gaming Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we dig into some of our favorite games and discuss what we can learn from them and just why we like them. For those of you out there counting, this is episode 31. We did it. We got past 30. (laughs) Um, And it's coming at you on October 16th, 2018. My name is Chase Strollenberg, and I'm joined by... Stu Gritter. Hey, Stu Gritter. How are you? Doing pretty well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good too. Yeah, it's uh, it's been uh, well. I mean, <laughs> we've had we've had some interesting stuff happen in the last few weeks, yeah. but uh, it's been it's been mostly good. Like uh, it's so. doom and gloom. If you want to think about the future, oh, but well, no, <laughs> you know that sounds like know. somebody else's problem. Wow. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I guess it's just more significant if you have kids. Yeah. Sorry, maybe um, the boomers rubbing off on me there. <laughs> That's awesome. You're the next generation of Boomer. Um, cool. So, uh, yeah, for anybody just joining us, um, it's uh, it's Learn From Gaming Podcast. So what do we do? Um, Stu and I, uh, we usually just pick games and then we sort of, uh, we like to dissect them and investigate them and think about, number one, what made them fun? Number two, uh, what did we personally learn from them? Sometimes we focus on, like, how the game actually taught us something. Sometimes we focus on how it impacted us socially. Um, Sometimes we talk about all kinds of weird stuff. Um, So... You know, sometimes, like, the actual academic side of it will come into it. So uh, you'll find that in a lot of cases, geography um, has has a big impact. Um, Actually, if you play games, the more that I think about it, like, geography is such a big part of some types of genres. Um, Anything that has a mini-map, which has even been sort of like, it's been included in things like first-person shooters for such a long time. Um, But also, like, uh, RTSs, back when RTSs were the game to play and definitely um uh d- depending on scale like turn-based stuff but uh, so like grand maps um but uh also you know like arithmetic spelling stuff like that that comes up reading uh i think what it was a few episodes we did uh i did final fantasy 6 and it was just funny because it helped me learn how to read <laughs> but, probably a good thing yeah you yeah. know yeah um but yeah, that's what we do here. Uh, we, we each pick a game each week and we discuss it. And we also discuss what we learned this month. So we're going to jump right into that segment. And uh, it's the part of the show where we discuss things like um, what we learned about gaming this month. So Stu and I love gaming. We love tech news. Um, also, at this point in my life, I love just any kind of good news. <laughs> so <laughs> remember that if you have any news or tech updates you would like us to hear um, or you would like to have us discuss on air, just send them to learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. So Stu, do you have anything you want to talk about today? But, uh, not not really the only things that have been kind of buzzing around me have been um just like loose stats every now and then about the way the uh, uh open ai's dota 2 stuff is coming along man that um, is so interesting which is, like i'm yeah it's neat. yeah it is really really interesting um how how has that developed i, I, I mean it's a slow but steady process it's like every now and then they'll they'll just kick out a a tweet with a little informatic about how they're progressing. It, it's just neat to keep tabs on as all. Well. Okay. Um, I, yeah. I don't know if there have been any 
huge milestones. Like right now their AI is, I believe in straight open games, shit kicking most people. Um, yeah. Professional teams are uh, at this point still beating them, I think. Okay. That was my understanding. That's where it's at right now. But but still, like the just the amount of experience, um, but also just the, the, like the progress for an AI, that is substantial and interesting. Um, yeah, for a team game like that, that that's, it's really, really cool. So many variables, right? Yeah. Like when you think about the roster in Dota, like Dota 2 specifically, um, I mean, it, it grows at about the same pace as uh, League of Legends, maybe a little bit slower. Um, but it's still like that is... If that AI can, can like maintain that level of dominance over casual players especially say the week that a new a new character gets introduced or a week that uh, buffs and debuffs get released for different characters that like that is just so that's so interesting for me it, it, I, I think what would be the real test is how that AI compensates for the introduction of new variables um, in the game because I think that within a couple of days or even within a day it has probably adapted to whatever initial changes have been introduced. Um, but what we know about most MOBA metas is that it takes longer than a day for people to figure out how to properly play um, either revamped heroes that have been re-released or um, brand new heroes, right? Like you yeah. don't, the day of, you don't just play it and like you're good at it. It takes a while for that expertise to develop. Yeah. Um, also, like the the computer would be using those heroes as well. So... Um, yeah, it, it is just such an interesting story. Like, I really, really like that story a lot. And it, uh, I, I don't follow it myself and I should because I love artificial intelligence <laughs> so much. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's cool. That's some cool news. Um, I think, uh, sorry, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Cause I do actually want to hit on a few things. Uh, the only other thing quick would be, um, Star Citizen floated across my desk again. Uh, oh, they dude, broke awesome. like more records of stop. Like How? no, no like, over the last over the last one or two months, I think was their their most. Oh, it was like the, their highest income months. For whatever, like, like they Wait, like hell? like they're not slowing down. Basically, they how? they've accrued something. I think the number was two hundred million. Don't quote me on that because I'm probably wrong. That's a number I okay. should have had. I didn't realize I was going to mention this until like ten <laughs> seconds ago. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Um, but but um, yeah. So that's neat. Um, I don't know if that it had something to do with they recently announced a new ship, like a three hundred dollar ship. So I think they're trying to zero in Jesus on what Christ. they're yeah, which doesn't come with access to the game. So I think they're trying to zero in on. Um, how much money their whales are willing to spend. Yeah, and their whales are willing to spend <laughs> a lot of money. Apparently it's, it's $300 for a ship. <laughs> um, uh, have you have you spent much time in the shell of that game? Very little. Okay. Very, very little. I'm, but, I'm just but trying it is, to figure out, like, is it worth it? It was recently. I did get an email at some point saying, hey, you can now do all the things that you're supposed to be able to do. And I said, okay, and then closed that email and then did something else. So, so <laughs> I mean, I'll get to it. <laughs> oh, I hope so, and I hope it's still there um, when you get to it. But it sounds like it's not going anywhere with the fact that people are throwing that much money yeah, at it. Yeah, yeah. And they they recently pushed out their um, uh, face over IP tech. So with your face cam, you can make it kind of maps your facial expressions and tries to interpolate them and display them on your character and game. 
That is kind of cool. <laughs> Which is I neat, mean, that, yeah. Yeah, that is, uh, I, like, it's pushing tech in a direction that I would love to see video games, like, in, in, in a direction that a lot of representations of uh, video games, like in anime or, like, future, mm-hmm. um, like, near future stuff in sci-fi uh, sort of represents. But, um, man, the, the yeah. steps to get there, it's just paved in the gold laid by whales. Um, <laughs> and for anybody who doesn't know what a whale is, a whale is uh, a customer that um, pays far more than the average person. Um and when we say pays, uh, think about any game that might have transactions, either micro or in this case, large scale. I would argue that that's a large scale purchase. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, spends un un like unashamed, uh, like unusually large yeah. amounts of money on them, um, and uh, like in a fashion that would seem almost gratuitous to to a normal person like to you or me Stu and like we're I would argue that we're bordering on we're medium spenders middle class (laughs) yeah like like we're doing okay we're not we're not doing terrible but even for us it's just like how could you afford that and that's what whales are but it it turns out that whales are also gamers and (laughs) they sure do like to spend money on games um especially star citizen what an in- that's that's also an interesting yeah. story but for such a different reason yeah so um neat yeah cool. I, so, at so, yeah at some point i will be able to talk in this podcast about that game i just i i, I haven't popped into it yet i feel like it's got a lot of potential but man like it is it is like capitalist like capitalist cowboy i just i want to know what the core mechanics of the game are well that, that if it i think that's the problem there are, there are no core mechanics it's just all of the mechanics yeah like <laughs> With the okay, scope of the game they're just oh you can do anything because well, we're gonna that make was the it problem <laughs> yeah that was the problem with eve but at least in eve um like people were able to give themselves their own direction and i expect that the yeah. community will eventually do that yeah. but also the the I I don't know if the pay to win thing is an issue in that in that game. I have no um, idea, no yeah. idea at all. I'm basically I'm kind of waiting until they finish their single player thing, and then I'll I'll probably give that a shot and then talk about it. Okay, yeah, still weird, interesting. Yeah, um, people throwing lots of money at Crazy a game that money. not a lot of people are even playing. Um, yeah. Well, uh, but don't quote me on that because maybe a lot of people are playing it and we're just not paying attention to it because it's out of the regular news cycle. Um, But now let's dip into the regular news cycle if you want to. Okay, uh, Stu, let's talk. um, I believe it's... Okay, and I always screw this up because I played the original uh, Red Dead for... I think it was PlayStation 2 and it was Red Dead Revolver. Uh, Red Dead... Redemption 2 is coming yeah. out soon. Yeah. Um, let's talk about... And everybody sort of made a big deal about this. It's going the rounds around uh, Kutaku, uh, Waypoint. Uh, basically, anybody who um, yeah. wants to talk about it. And it's it's sort of gotten a little politicized. But I just... I want to I wanna talk about it with you. Um, 100-hour work weeks uh, were standard for the making of 
this game specifically in the, the crunch points. Yeah. Um, now you've worked IT. You have also um, assisted on the development of uh, some video games. You've experienced a little bit of crunch, I expect, in your life as mm-hmm. um, as a as a programmer. Have you ever done anything like that? And would you willingly? Um. Uh, okay. So the the thing about most game development. Uh, the the kind of the go-to to introduce people to it is if you're making a game, you can either make money uh, or set your own hours or uh, have input on the game design. And you kind of get to do two of those three. So gotcha. m- most of the time, like in those AAA companies, a lot of the time it's uh, you're you'll get paid well for working there usually um you'll have a decent amount of input on like whatever your realm of expertise is but you are not setting your own hours and the industry is i it has a a, a fairly high burnout rate because yeah. there's so many people that want to get into it yeah so at the end of the day most of those people i mean that's why every now and then there's a, a big call for people to unionize which is I'd be surprised if that ever happened, but right. Um, e- yeah, if you want to work at a studio like that, it's an unfortunate reality. You kind of have to really, really love doing it to stick with it for a long time. It has to be your passion. Right, right. And generally speaking, most studios will take advantage of that passion. Absolutely. Well, of course they're going to. And it's... <laughs> it's it's what keeps them afloat it's their job to take advantage of people that's that's what companies do uh yeah yeah um most uh, all companies what am i talking about yes if it's a corporation in a capitalist society that's what it's going to do um that traditionally like that's kind of how they work um now yeah it's just it's so interesting uh like the difference between uh, game and this is really an apples to oranges comparison like the the gentleman who made stardew valley and right now his his name escapes me but like he's still working on that game today yeah of course he makes his own hours now he's got the luxury to do that and he made his own hours when he was making the game but he also had a significant other that was able to keep him afloat while he did it yeah and it was really just sort of a labor of love that turned into an incredibly um profitable uh game release Piece right bar, like yeah uh, it's still selling well, even to this day. Yep. Uh, the multiplayer content has been successfully rolled out. Uh, maybe not to his liking, um, but a lot of people are really enjoying it. So he'll probably just keep working on that to perfect it to the level that he wants it. Yep. Um, but the level of detail and scale that is going into um, Red, Red, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, the stuff that I've heard about the game is insane. Um, I mean... I'll, it'll be interesting to like get hands on. I've seen absolutely nothing about it. I've, I haven't even taken the time to look at the, uh, the gameplay videos. My brother is super excited about it. Um, he really liked the first game. So he's, he's very excited for yeah. this new one. Um, I, and this is the weirdest thing. Like it's not even really on my radar, <laughs> right? Like for me, oh. I don't, I don't care if I, I don't care if I touch it or not. I'm more excited for Anthem because I want to fly around in 
mech suits. I don't want to be a space ninja. <laughs> if I wanted to be a space ninja, <laughs> I would play, play Warframe. Um, <laughs> War, Warframe. No, like I want to be a space Iron Man. Yeah. Um, and that that might actually scratch that itch. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of excited for that. Whereas, I don't know, man. Riding on a horse, riding on a horse, causing trouble in the old west. Like, I can just watch Westworld or, you know. <laughs> Like, yeah. I don't really want to go there. Uh, there's a lot of problems with that world. <laughs> there was something like, about the, the openness. It was kind of like uh, GTA in the West, right? So it's just a different setting. GTA, I think, was the... Oh, man. I love the, the original the Red Dead Revolver, the which person. is weird to say. Yeah, but it, I mean, well, the, okay. Revolver was uh, such a different beast than Redemption. And so very few people have played Revolver that it's... I don't even know if it's worth mentioning. Um, but Red Dead Revolver was like a linear game that had like bullet mode mechanics. Um, and I think it was like a third person shooter kind of uh i played a lot like i think max Payne had bullet time as well Mm -hmm. uh, where you could like just slow everything down and then um really take advantage of the situation now i I never touched red dead redemption like i never played it but if i had to guess it probably played a lot like um just like you said so like um contemporary uh grand theft auto but on a horse and this one sounds like it's going to be playing very similar to that, only there'll also be, like, uh, dialogue trees and stuff. So they're trying to do a little bit of the Bioware stuff as well, but not exactly the same way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah, I just I wanted your opinion on the 100-hour the weeks because that is, to me, that's frightening. I don't know if I've ever done that for a job ever in my life. I don't know if you could pay me enough to do that. It, what? I've never been that excited to do anything for that much, or like for I don't know how much money these people are actually making. I hope I hope they get paid overtime. Like I hope they get paid for for the work that they're doing. Um, Usually not. But if but, I was gonna say if their contract right, yeah. and that's that's the thing. Yeah. Like the it's difference between an salary. hourly employee, yeah, yeah, uh, a contract or so. Oh man, that's brutal. That is exploitation. You're like when you actually break it down and you see how much you're making an hour. Um, some of these people may have actually worked for less than minimum wage. For sure. Yeah. Uh, that's brutal. But that's really bad. I mean, but their names on like an incredible game. What, what will probably be a blockbuster hit, right? Like regardless of the negative press this game's going to get, it's going to sell. Yeah. People are like it's going to move. Um. So. Uh, yeah okay that's uh i just yeah um yeah, i you, would you, never wish 100 hour weeks on anyone yeah <laughs> so. you pay with part of your life to take part in something like that yeah i guess yeah cool um fun cool. Uh, yeah do you have any other thoughts on that before <laughs> we shift away oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> you love the tech industry <laughs> there's just it's it's just such a massive topic like yeah yeah it's big it's big it's hard to think of how to tackle it um and there's yeah there's so many conversations that can be had about it and it's really hard to imagine solutions because why would it change yeah right um yeah it's it's tough especially for like 
somebody like you or I, <laughs> like me, I'm completely removed from it. Uh, there's, I don't even know how I could influence it aside from just not buying a game because people are treating people badly, but then I'm not really supporting the work that people actually put into it. Right. Um, like the, the, the whole, what stance are you going to take? Like speak with your dollars. Yeah. Like if it's a beautiful, awesome game, like somebody put the effort into that game. So shouldn't you reward it? Um, but then like, you're also just paying a company to do bad things to its employees. Yeah. Uh, the employee isn't seeing any of that money at that point. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fair. Um, but mm, yeah. How far do bragging rights go? It's like, Oh, I worked on this game. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's a great game. Thank you. Um, how much money did you get for it? Uh, don't want to talk about it. Uh, yeah, like $50,000 in a divorce. Um, <laughs> well, th- again, that's why you see so many, so many of the developers on those teams tend to be younger, tend to not be married, or if they are, yeah. they tend not to have kids. And when they do get through those crunches, the first thing they have to say about the experience is, thank God my significant other was so accepting and, and like dealt with that shit because... yeah. Like that, there was an un, unfair strain for one person to put on a relationship, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Happens. That's L- a it's, fair it's, it's a common trope, I guess. I would say. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, let's uh, let's spiral away from that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, talk about games. So, Stu, uh, we're going to move into the next section of the show, which is what we learn from gaming, and it's where you and I pick a game and then talk about what we learned from it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, why we liked it. So, do you want to go first, <laughs> or do you want to go second? Um, <sighs> you got the option today. Yeah, I, I'm, okay. I'm going to let you go first today. I Is it because uh, you already know what I'm going to talk about, and you want to okay. surprise me with your game? Maybe a little. Okay. That's fair. I see how it is. Okay. Well, no, um, it's just something. Yeah, you just mentioned we have to talk about why we like the game, and I, I'm not sure if I could do that. So that's okay. If you learn from the game, <laughs> we'll but you that don't later. like it, that's okay. That is okay. We we can talk about games we don't like. It's, I intend to do it at some point. The best game ever released. But let's do you first. Okay, great. Um, so the game I want to talk about today is not a video game. I know I do this every now and again, and I'm going to do it today. Today I want to talk about Infinity the game, um, which is a miniature tabletop game designed by Corvus Ballet and published by Corvus Ballet. Uh, Right now it's in its third edition. I am presently playing in a um, Escalation League for this game, so I'm going to sort of talk about that a little bit later. I just want to get through some of the specifics. So um, this game was originally released back in 2005 and is still going strong today uh, in its third edition. Um, it was made by Corvus Ballet. Now, this is a Spanish company, so a company based out of Spain, um, which is sort of interesting. Uh, the creators are very, very, like, it's it's just, it's a different sort of uh, cultural thing. Um, I mean, you know, still still Western, still Western, um, but also still European. Um, it's just... Uh, <laughs> 
they're, they're so fun. It's so fun to watch uh, the creators because they put out a lot of content on YouTube. Uh, y- you get to see sort of their personalities, um, and that's always really fun. And it's the same people working on a lot of this content. It's just their team has grown exponentially as they got more successful. Um, but... Uh, so, uh, genre type. So, table type. Uh, it's a, ta- a table type. Tabletop. It's a tabletop miniature game um, with a cyberpunk setting. Um, this is a game that really, really emphasizes the use of terrain. So, when I say terrain, uh, for most tabletop games, when you go to play them, you need to have either a board or a large space in which to play in. Uh, if you want sort of a better idea of what we're talking about, go back and listen to our uh, War Machine Hordes episode where we talk about how we create a terrain on a whiteboard. <laughs> yep. um, the traditional Infinity table is a 4x4 table, um, and... Uh, infinity tables i would argue are some of the most beautiful gaming tables you'll ever see because it's like these vibrant um really sort of near to far future tech tables with buildings it can have towers sometimes it can have like uh like an oil slash steamworks some kind of refinery like anything you can imagine and you just want to pack things in because you do not want direct firing lanes all the way down the table if you can avoid it because this is an unforgiving game so let's talk about the core mechanics of this game this game is a turn-based game um so one player goes then the other player goes um setup uh there's a setup at the beginning of the game there's also uh you get to design your own army lists so you get to choose what goes in your army Uh, armies are built based on a points system Uh, the average army size is about 300 points Um, the average cost of a unit varies uh, because there's different types of units so there's light infantry medium infantry heavy infantry robots uh, mostly referred to as uh, remotes um, which are sort of a bulkier light infantry and then tags, which are tactical action gears, which is exactly what they sound like. They're, they're enormous powered armor suits. Um, so like uh, Metal Gear Solid style, uh, if you need a video game reference. But also if you're an anime fan like Gundam, mm-hmm. <laughs> any, any kind of powered armor, maybe just a little bit smaller. Um, but it's uh yeah that's that's what's going on that's the kind of setting uh there's aliens there's uh there's all kinds of different humans and what's really interesting about this setting uh just i know i'm supposed to be talking about mechanics but i kind of want to talk about the setting because it's important is it's uh it's about a hundred and i think 67 years in the future so like humanity is taken to the stars um but there are still representations of humanity that are familiar so um what's interesting is there's i'll just i'll talk about some of the factions there's a faction called pano which is basically uh, i guess the best way to describe it is if like parts of the eu amalgamated with uh like the philippines australia um parts even parts of of india and africa um there's another organ and like it's a really diverse kind of army list that you can pick from because there's also like the neo-vatican in that faction um 
in so like you'll actually get these power armored knights that show up uh, in that faction. They're very very sort. Of, they almost feel out of sorts, except that they don't because their aesthetic is so awesome. Like they look so cool, even though it's just like how has Christianity lived that long? Um, <laughs> uh, there's uh, there's another faction which is I I actually really enjoy the representation of this faction. It's called uh, Hak Islam, which is the new Islam. Um, and I mean, there's a, a little bit of stereotyping going on there, um, but it's it's like a, a far future uh, Islam ba- Islamic based uh, faction, and they've they have like embraced life. What's interesting is they're the goodest in quotation marks uh, faction in the setting, in that they're uh, they're very much about promoting uh, life, freedom. Um, they're like a culture of doctors, uh, they focus on, um, bio medicine. Uh, so just, uh, just trying to understand the framework of life and how things interact with each other in, in a genetic, uh, respect. Whereas Pano is actually a company, a very large mega company, um, that just happens to encapsulate countries like, um, in in this far future the setting uh it's basically understood that uh, mega mega corporations uh consumed most most companies whereas ahak islam is actually it's it's a state it's it's a government that functions that is able to like still function as a, a corporation and engage in this weird sort of capitalist like far future capitalist setting um there's another faction that's called yujing uh which is uh the best way to describe it is uh, it's it's the far future Chinese faction. Um, when it when the game was initially released, it also included Japan. But uh, as the fluff has moved on, uh, the Japanese uh, sectorial, so the Japanese army that was part of um, part of Yujing has separated. Basically, uh, so they're a completely different army now. They they revolted. Um, whether, I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. Uh, there it's, you know, it's far future stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't know how much deeper I need to go into it, but there's also like, um, let, we'll talk about the big bad, uh, which is the combined army, which is controlled by an ancient artificial intelligence that was designed to try and figure out how to achieve transcendence. So how to achieve that ethereal state where you, enter into the heavenly bodies and all the answers are revealed. Um, it's still working on it. And in order to work on it, it's conquering entire universes. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, yeah, you know, ours is next. So it's just, uh, it's just trying to figure out, uh, what humans have to do. Uh, basically humans have been identified as a race that could transcend. And, uh, there is an, there is, an entity that exists within the human sphere, which is what is referred to as the, like the panoply of all of humanity. Um, it's referred to as Aleph and it is the one legal artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence created by humanity. Um, and the elder intelligence is very interested in it, but also views it as an adversary. So is trying to destroy it. Um, and Aleph is actually also a playable faction. It's just a bunch of androids and really cool high-tech. Um, uh, I kind of imagine if Blade Runner and Greek mythology mixed. How does, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the best way to describe it. 
um, some very interesting stuff going on there. Okay, so anyways, I'm gonna I'm gonna sorry for anybody who likes uh, any other faction that I've forgotten. Uh, <laughs> I think it's uh, what's the what's the other one? It's the the low tech guys that live on a mystery planet, and then the Toha that we, we yeah we don't need to go there. Um, okay, so core mechanics, turn based game, pick an army, everything's point based. Um, and one of the really cool mechanics in this game is uh, any action that you do. So say it's my turn, Stu, and I want to move a guy. I move the guy forward, but if you have line of sight to that guy, and if you have a weapon that can reach me, you can decla declare um, a responsive action uh, referred to as an ARO. Um, so it's an active response order. That's what that uh, that stands for. So... Basically, it's a action-reaction type of gameplay. Uh, I move, you respond. I move, you respond. Then it's my turn. So then, or then it's your turn. So you move, I respond. You remove, I respond. And there's all kinds of stuff that you can do in this game. Like uh, people get all kinds of armory. So there's hackers in this game that can actually disable people's powered armor, uh, slow down heavy infantry that have like really uh, high-tech uh, equipment. Um, you can throw things like smoke grenades, which obscure vision, but there are certain people that have tech that allow them to see through the smoke grenades. And this is all stuff that's just written in a book, or uh, there's a lot of really good apps on the internet that you can use to to track this stuff. But um, uh, there's like, I don't know, like 17 different types of ammunition. <laughs> like it's just, it gets a little overwhelming. Like I, uh, there, there's uh, one of the cons that I'm going to discuss is the bloated rule set. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know what? Let's, uh, let's slide into some of the pros. So one of the really, aside from the setting, which I actually, like I fell in love with, it was very easy for me to fall in love with it because, um, the, the way that they deal with artificial intelligence, as well as, um, this sort of far, but not so far future, it's, I mean, it, in no way do, does it deal with the, uh, immediate climate disaster that could happen within the next 50 years. Um, but it does, uh, deal with what happens when corporations get too big. Uh, and sort of how the future might look in that respect and uh, like how certain organizations try uh, like attempt to survive like one of the ways that the Vatican was able to endure in this setting is they just joined the biggest corporation right they just threw their backing and the the religion into this corporation and it's a very jaded kind of cynical sort of um, viewpoint but it if God is on the side of this company, there's money there, right? <laughs> and there's a, and there's a future for Christianity. Um, so that's, yeah, it's, it, it is what it is, but, uh, yeah, the way that artificial intelligence is handled is really, really cool. Um, anybody who's interested, I would say just maybe watch a few fluff videos on yeah, YouTube. I'll make yeah. sure that I, I, uh, I actually include some in the show notes. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's something also anime aesthetic which grabbed me because i don't know i'm a, i'm a creature of habit and i love anime um even though it's it's like fake anime so like they're they're like it's like the spanish impression of anime but they, they do a good job um a little known fact lots of spanish people really enjoy anime and not just in spain um 
<laughs> so next up, uh, uh, so depth, uh, options of play, uh, like army building is just such a joy in this game. Uh, it seems intimidating at first, but once you get comfortable with it, it's just, you do so much of that theory craft, like the, um, okay, uh, trying to plan what you're going to take and what possible hard counters you might see. Uh, the the competitive scene for this game is uh, alive and well. Uh, most podcasts that exist out there talking about this game are very much competitive. There aren't too many casual podcasts out there. In fact, I haven't encountered any. Um, so uh, if you ever want competitive advice, just go to one of the existing podcasts. Um, uh, the way that I play it right now, like we're playing in a very casual league, um, but I'll, I'll discuss that a little more in a bit. Um, but I, I do like just thinking, like looking at the tools in your toolbox and being like, oh, that's cool. And the way that these factions work is they're very different tool sets. Um, there is a little bit of overlap, but each faction is designed to play very, very differently. Um, when I first got into the game and I actually, I started playing it back in 2014 and there's a bunch of videos of me on the internet playing at, uh, at an establishment called mini Wargaming with uh, a gentleman named Matt who owns that company. Um, I played Aleph, which is the, uh, the human artificial intelligence. I played them a lot and I also played Hakislam because I, I just thought that faction was really, really interesting. Um, and so then what I had was for Aleph, I had access to some very expensive, very durable, um, high performance units, but I couldn't take very many, um, because they were expensive in terms of points for hack Islam. I had access to lots and lots of little specialists. So they would be cheap, they would be very good at one thing, um, but they each one was its own individual tool, whereas for Aleph, I could have things that could cover all kinds of different spectrums of utility. Um, like I could have a robot that's incredibly good at killing, but will also like hold the line because it's made out of like this incredible metal um, and also has a bunch of wounds, so I don't have to worry about it going down to a single shot. Um, and it's a hacker, and it can see through smoke because its eyes can shift through spectrum so it can see heat, it can see electro uh, pulses, stuff like that. Um, whereas in Hack Islam, it's like, this dude's a doctor. <laughs> this dude's got a cool gun. Mm -hmm. This dude can pretend to be something else and then stab you. Um, yeah, so that was always really fun, the theory crafting for that, and then actually playing it, and the <laughs> the inevitable everything always falls apart moment the yeah the yeah. uh the the chaos that is a d20 system for a tabletop game yeah. uh is undeniable yeah. um but uh yeah so uh, i feel like there's another core mechanic that i'm i'm leaving out and it's the order system how this how you activate a unit in this game is there's an order um you get a number of orders in your order pool equal to the units that you take that can generate orders. So there are some, there are a few things like a few tiny things in the game that don't generate orders. But generally if there's, if you're purchasing a soldier with the points that you need um, to create an army at the start, the total number of soldiers that you pick 
is your army pool plus one for your lieutenant. And I'm not going to get into lieutenants because don't worry about it. Uh, if you're interested, just go check it out. Um, your order pool, and here's where the game is a very different from other games that are out there right now. You can use your order pool to activate any unit on the board as many times as you want. So if you want, you can have every single one of your units go once. Or if you want, you can Rambo, take like one unit and just spend all of your orders on them, assuming that they survive because a lot of stuff dies in this game. It's a very lethal game. Um, and it's interesting to see. Actually, uh, I played a game the other day where a guy Ramboed with... Um, one of his really big tags so like one of his tactical gears and that was a nightmare because i had no solid answers to it <laughs> but yeah, uh yeah. yeah sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't um so okay so we've got depth customization um i would say other pros um actually no maybe i'll get uh, to that after i talk about the con so uh, one of the major cons is the d20 system it is so cool but also so so swingy um, I have played games where I, I like people took out the really cool stuff that I, I thought I would need to win. And then I just, there are crits in this game. It's important to bring up. So there are critical hits. If you roll the exact number that you need to pass, that counts as a critical hit, which does an automatic wound. I've been playing games where I've been just hands down losing, like made bad strategical choices and then rolled like two or three Crit crits in a row. <laughs> um, and just like pulled my ass out of the fire unfairly <laughs> it's just like oh that's how the dies roll um and it's yeah it's just the or like the the other person the person on the other side just can't roll over 10 yeah. um so like the, a d20 is a 20-sided die and they're rolling below 10 every single time they roll they might roll um you know five six seven times and not get over not get over 10 um which is crazy yep. and frustrating, yep. but that's part of it's, the tabletop experience. How that goes, yeah. Uh, the other con is this game does have a very bloated rule set. So right now we are in the third edition of the game. It's referred to as N3. Um, there is the core rulebook, which is about, I think it's about 120 pages of just rules. And then there is the expansion, the Human Sphere rulebook, which I think is another 40 to 80 rules. Then there's the Uprising book, which is another, uh, I think it's another 20 to 40 pages of rules, new so, rules. That's, that's too many. Um, and there's another book coming out called Third Offensive, which is going to be another 20 to 40 pages of rules. You're expected to know them all. Yeah. Um, there's also an incredibly awesome resource online called uh the infinity wiki which uh, is literally maintained it's maintained by fans but also um corvus ballet and it is like it is the rules you can search anything quickly if you know what you're looking for um they have an app that links directly to it so if you're making an army and there's a rule you want to know about on a character you just click on that and it'll take you right to it which is one of the ways they've tried to stime the fact that there's too much going on and they maybe should just can can, can make things a little more concise yeah. um and i expect maybe they will take that advice in 
the fourth edition whenever that happens but everybody thought they were going to do that in third edition because second was kind of bloated Uh, (laughs) they just kept doing it it can be hard Um, it's a hard thing to do though right yes yes especially if you're so close to the game um yeah and it's like it's still the original creators right they haven't gone anywhere they're still working on it um even with bringing in consultants it's their call at the end of the day and they clearly like having more rules instead of less um so good for them and they know them which is interesting when you actually watch them play games they're they it's probably because they live the system right yeah yeah um i'm playing what one game a week they probably play at least two or two three. To three games a day. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah. It, uh, I, I mean, it's kind of nitpicking, but honestly, if when you play a bloated rule set you're just, and you're just like, you look at it, that's one of the reasons most people don't get into this game because yeah. there's a learning curve. So right? hard to approach it. Uh, very, very hard to approach game. So, um, and uh, I mean, I played this a decent amount four years ago uh and then stopped and then came back and i am still scrambling there's like <laughs> yeah. i've got the remnants i've got the legacy of the last edition in my head and i'm still trying to do things the old way and i'm not sure if they they actually function and i don't want to read through all the rules right now <laughs> um so yeah it's it's interesting yeah. um why am i talking about infinity today because right now i'm actually in what's referred to as an escalation league what is an escalation league uh for most tabletop miniature games um you'll find that if there's a a decent community or at least a core somebody who wants to build it one of the ways that they start to build a community is by running events and one of the events that gets people to buy models and start armies is an escalation league and how they do that is it's a slow progression of uh playing games usually one or two games over the span of one or two weeks um, at a points level. So when I started in the Escalation League, um, I think we started at, it was either 100 or 150 point games. Um, And then next week it was 50 more points. The next week it was 50 more points. We are now at week six and we have finally hit 300 points. Um, So today's tuesday for us so on wednesday thursday thursday i'm going to be playing my sixth game um it'll be at 300 points and what i found interesting is um because i'd never i've never played an escalation league before it has motivated me to learn rules slowly as i go so as i introduce new stuff into my army but i've also painted everything that i put on the board yeah 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 that is unheard of for me, right? Like, I'm not the type of guy who likes to take unpainted stuff um, and play with it, but I also hate, I used to hate painting. But because it's only bit at a time, it's okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm only painting, like, uh, like my first go, I think it was, like, five models, and then each progression, it was uh, between three and five, but that's manageable in a week. yeah. Yeah, that that's not bad. And um yeah, and honestly like uh I'm not saying like my painting quality isn't amazing. Um but uh I've I've accomplished some pretty cool stuff. Um it's not all good. Uh I definitely want to repaint my robots. <laughs> but like I've got this these alien assassins that have um these 
special swords that can cut through anything. And man, I made them look good. <laughs> like I made the swords. I did like this lighting effect. Um, and it was just like this, uh, this dry brushing lighting effect that makes them look like these awesome lightsabers. Um, I'd never done that effectively before and it looks so good and I'm trying stuff with like new paints and I'm just yeah. having fun with it. Yeah. Um, uh, the, again, the robots were a massive fail. I really want to repaint them, <laughs> but, uh, everything else looks good. Um, and that, like, uh, if you go back to our, uh, War Machine and Hordes episode, like, that is just such a big, significant part of, uh, of the hobby. Like, um, playing the games is, is, is a decent part, but also the painting, uh, the, the assembly, uh, the conversion, because a lot of people like to do conversions for models. Yeah. I might have to do one myself for one of my models, because the model doesn't exist. Like, the poses um, and the bases and... Yeah. Every element um there's yeah, there's some really really cool stuff that goes into it. It's it's a very hands-on hobby, but also the league is good because it's getting me out of the house. Um not that I never get out of the house, but uh since our son, um I haven't been great at it. Uh so it's getting me out of the house uh at least once a week and uh engaging with people. <laughs> some of them some of them are weird in, in a relatively friendly way. With that. At yeah, least. yeah, the, the, yeah. I haven't killed anybody in a week. <laughs> wow, it's been seven days since Chase's last seven homicide. Hey, yeah, that's pretty there good. There we go. Oh uh, yeah, I know. Uh, actually, my wife is like watching a bunch of horror films and stuff right now. So like, it's just it's weird. Um, also, the Exorcist TV show, uh, the the new one was a lot better than I expected. Um, so yeah. Uh, here, let's see. What have I learned from this game? Um, I was kind of sort of covering that. Uh, I'm just, I'm trying to think about what else I can say about it. I think maybe I'm running out. Um, I've, I have really enjoyed playing in the league. Um, I'm enjoying learning the, the rule set again. And I think it, like, I don't know. I, I think it's part love of the setting and like there are very few games that are as complex as this one like this game has hacking this game has like biomedical stuff that you can do so like you can attack people with viruses and like viral weaponry um you know it's got all the big robots uh and then it's just got the regular guns i think the least developed system is the close combat system but even that is all right um it's not as robust as say uh, Warhammer 40k which has actually a pretty decent uh, close combat system in its its current iteration but um, yeah everything feels at least okay um, maybe I'm not doing this game <laughs> a great service talking about it but uh, yeah do you have any questions for me about it Stu uh, do you feel there's anything I didn't touch on properly um, because I feel like the uh, the actual act of playing the game has been really fun as well like uh, i get to meet new people relearn the game um like test out my armies which is always a good time yeah. um you'll be pleased to know that i am bottom of the league i have <laughs> lost every single game <laughs> oh come on you can do better than that uh, well i probably can but i haven't been um yeah i've just been sucking so hard but i'm loving it like i'm just having such a good time um i actually had a guy say after we played 
Um, he said that uh, playing with me was the most, the most fun, fun he'd ever had. had. <laughs> nice. I don't know if it's because he beat me so bad, uh, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I, I'll take that. I'll take that for what it's yeah, worth. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just say you're welcome. You're yeah. welcome. Um, and I enjoyed it too. So, um, so how? I guess um, the the only question that I was gonna really bring up. I mean, we could probably at some point spend a lot of time just going over the social aspect of these kinds of games that get you out of the house and and whether it's with with a group of people that you're familiar or different people there's something there's something to that um but in this case i was going to ask about list building um because you mentioned the way you can kind of rambo with with a unit yeah you can um yep and i know like the the tabletop system with which I have the most experience is warm hordes. And even in a 50 point list, you can be up against something that you don't have an answer for. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And like 50 point is a, a, a decent size. Like you can, you can bring a lot of stuff. So is list building more important here when, or, or are the units a little bit less skewed, I guess? Uh, no listing is, incredibly important um i'll give you some examples of the shenanigans you can pull off in this game um so there is the option um this is gonna sound crazy to describe it okay there's the option uh to take a hacker and then take um what is referred to as an evo um hacking device which um there's also like you you can get all these different kinds of gear so like there's a a satellite tracker and stuff like that um and then you can also get high-tech missile launchers so you put all those things together into a single army and what you have is something that can identify anything whether it's in camouflage or not lock onto it and then have the missile launcher shoot from anywhere on the board and hit it so it, there's a few actions that need to occur, but it means that anybody who might be trying to hide and just protect themselves is not safe because the way that hackers work is you have to get within eight inches of somebody, but you don't have to be in line of sight. Um, so like if they know that they're in the general vicinity and I mean, all you have to do is measure, right? Like yeah. if you're within eight inches of something, um, as long as you're out of line of sight, you lock onto that person Next order is fire with the missile launcher, hit, explode, repeat. Um, and uh, if the if you are on the receiving end of that and you don't have a hacker, the uh, hacker is the only way to defend against those uh, those missile locks. Um, like that means that if that person is going first, they could wipe half, if not more, of your army because missiles are actually like large templates. They can hit multiple Ew. things. Yeah, it's like, it's a dirty tactic. Um, there are also factions that have no hackers and have no way to be hacked. Um, okay. That also yeah. get access to like analog low tech stuff and animals like werewolves, um, which <laughs> what werewolves, but yes, it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, those things, if you don't think about them or prepare for them, they move fast then they're in your face 
and they are and one of the you few have things no in the game that are yeah that are really good at close combat. And if you don't have anything that's good at close combat or that's going to stop them, you die, right? Um, and what's even worse is you don't always know that they're coming because those things are camouflage. So say you make an entire oh. list that is camouflage focused. Yeah. All your enemy has to do is take a couple of guys with good guns and good shooting skills and a visor that can see through camouflage and they basically undo your entire army. And then you have to change your tactics around where they are. So army listing is a very big deal. You want to take as generalist a list as you can. That's yeah, that's um, really interesting. That that's yeah. I think that's worth pointing out. And the meta of this game right now is um, just because of the way the tournaments are played. It's about surviving because there are many different mission types. I think there's something like um, 20 or 30 different mission types that you can play in a tournament. And it's based on roll dice on dice rolls at the table during your round. It's not a table that gets set up specifically for, uh, mm-hmm. your stuff mm-hmm. like specifically for uh, whatever mission you're going to be playing some some tournaments do that but like the official ITS rules the official infinity tournament system like you don't know until you're at the table and you've rolled it yeah. and then you have additional secondary objectives so like people take generalist lists that can perform numerous uh, things because some of the secondary objectives are um Perform a doctor role on a specific model. Uh, perform an engineering role mm. on a specific model. Okay. Sometimes you'll play a mission where there are additional objects that you put on the board. It's like, activate this antenna. Only hackers and engineers can do it. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... So that's also encouraged by that. <coughs> yeah. By it's, that system. Uh, yeah. It's... You don't see it a lot. You don't see that that like most other systems don't push you towards generalism. No. Trying to take as many tools as possible. Yeah, d- m- most just for reference, most most other systems seem to um, the list building works with uh, like from a, an offensive angle. You want to kill people by doing this thing. You kind of have a specific playbook, or you build your army a certain way. Like I'm gonna go really high armor. And then I'm just going to kill the guys on the other team first who can kill high armor and then just like curb stomp the rest of them at my own pace. Yeah. Whereas what's, what's interesting about infinity is, uh, uh, and the way that it's played right now. Um, and it looks like this is only going to continue. Um, there's a new release, uh, coming out soon that is basically just going to add more. Well, no, actually they recently released, um, season 10, of the infinity tournament system and it's it's just it's it's full of different missions it's full of different uh, objectives so like secondary objectives um so like this culture exists the company is encouraging um this type of play uh that's the standard for uh the tournaments that are held the official tournaments so it's just it's interesting like you can play a game of infinity and even if you table your opponent that doesn't necessarily mean that you won the game because if they spent their turns wisely, accomplished all of their objectives, even if they're dead, they, they still, still might win. score higher. Yeah. yeah. 
depending on what mission you're playing. Like, if the mission had absolutely nothing to do with killing each other, like, maybe killing somebody on the board is a bonus because it, it makes it easier for you to do something, or it becomes a denial game. It's just like, okay, so who else on the other side of the board can perform this role if I take them out? They can't even accomplish this objective, which means yeah. I'll be able to score if I can. Um, it's, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah <laughs> then you have to there's know their list and whatever they can do yeah th- that's a lot but th- there's transparency what's, yeah, yeah what's interesting yeah, yeah. is like it's a gentleman's gentleman's uh sorry like it's a it's a polite sort of way of doing it like you can be an asshole about it and be like i'm not gonna tell you anything but you still have to bring all the list cards out. yeah um and you so you have to bring two lists to the game which is what can be seen at the start of the game and what's actually in your list um the tournament runner sees what's in your list you show the person you're playing um what can be seen at at the start of the turn but at the end of the game you make sure that the person sees the The rest rest. and anything that yeah yeah, anything that shows up is referred to as uh, there's a term for it it's like it's actually um public knowledge so like you have to explain what stuff does yeah yeah um you can't just be like oh this guy showed up you know um because there there are systems that exist within the game uh there's a type of camouflage called uh thermoptic camouflage thermal optical camouflage which is just like ghost in the ghost in the uh shell shit or predator shit where like you just you can't see them Mm -hmm. um and they can actually deploy in hidden deployment, which means nobody knows where the hell they are except for the person who deployed them, the owner. And usually what you have to do is you have to pull somebody over and be like, okay, somebody who's not involved in the game yeah. and be like, okay, this guy's this going where they here. are. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then like whenever you want, they can just show up. So uh, the Japanese sectorial actually has like cyber ninjas that like will pop out of nowhere and just stab you. It's just the <laughs> and, right thing uh, to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, a number of people have access to that ability. Uh, some people are snipers, like with like high, high gauge future tech uh, sniper rifles. It's horrifying. Um, I play a faction right now that, you know, the heavy tags that we were talking about, the tactical armored gears, I've got a tactical armored gear that does it and has two enormous flamethrowers on them. Um, That's good. It's horrible. <laughs> so, and uh, he's got he's got climbing plus, which means he can just hang off stuff. So it can uh, be like uh, hidden deployment. Yeah, he was hanging here. Um, <laughs> you just walk past him with a bunch of guys, so he just appears and boom, blah, 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 everybody's dead. Um, yeah, it's nasty. Um, right? Did you have any other questions? Uh, that was the only one. Okay, yeah. Uh, listing is very significant yeah. in the game. You can lose games uh, based on what's in your list. Uh, definitely take what you want, but be thoughtful about what you're actually going to be playing when you go. Um, knowing ahead of time is an incredible advantage. Knowing who your opponent is and is an even more like an even larger advantage. All of the information for every army is out there. Let's let's just say that like yeah. it, you don't have to buy everybody's rule book like it's all out there online so that's that's a nice thing but it's still still a lot lot of information yeah yeah um okay so i think i'm spent on that do you want to talk about your game because i'm i've been kind of interested all right so the best game ever um (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm gonna not drink so that I don't spit, spit it out. out. Okay, well that's that's good. I mean, I could wait for a bit if you really want a good mouthful of spittable. Um, I'm gonna talk about Daikatana. Oh God. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Daikatana was released in the year 2000 on April 21st instead of April 1st, which is when it should have been. Um, give a bit of background to the game. Um, so Daikatana was the first person shooter made by uh, John Romero, who was one of the guys who helped build the first Quake. And Quake was an incredibly successful game, and it was great. <laughs> also, Doom, Stu. <laughs> and well, just yeah, but like Quake, Quake was a like a a big deal for a lot of reasons. Oh, Stu, Stu, <laughs> I think I think you're underplaying how important Doom well, was. It, but Do- yeah, Doom was but same guy, no. same guy, same guy. Yeah. Um, and then he, John Romero, left after Quake and made. Daikatana. Um, and it's interesting because then it, like, Quake 2 was kind of rubbish as well. It's just interesting the way they should have worked together more, but maybe we'll get into that more. Um, so Daikatana was an FPS, came out on a, a dated engine. It was delayed for like three years before it actually came out. Over the span of those three years, you could see massive, massive updates in game engines and graphic engines and it, the game didn't age well even before it was released which was too bad but the design itself was also really too bad um i've only ever played daikatana once i played through the entire game front to back but i i played it in multiplayer so it's a standard like campaign fps so you play through a bunch of levels um in a mostly linear fashion which we'll also get to (laughs) um and in single player there are uh ai npcs that you have to play with um oh it bears mentioning that the uh maybe this is dating the game a little bit as well but there's only uh one colored character in the game and his name is Superfly Johnson. That's uh absolutely indicative of the quality of the writing throughout the entire game. It's just oh it, boy. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. so playing through in single player, uh you have Superfly and you have I think your name is Makiko. You have to like escort them through a bunch of levels. In multiplayer you didn't have to do that. So in playing co op you just have uh there were two of us playing and we just ran through and then you didn't have to do any of the escorty stuff uh which made the game from my understanding a lot easier so thank goodness we did that but my god the level design the 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 like the everything is just so the game is called Daikatana because there's a katana a Daikatana that was made that's like uh fucked up the timelines of everything in the universe and someone's going to take over the universe with it and so you have to like power the daikatana and go fix all the timelines and then hide the daikatana in a corner of the universe where no one can ever find it again because gosh darn it it's just too powerful 
So you end up traveling through time. <laughs> so and bad. Going through, so bad. You go through a bunch of different settings. Um, mm. it, God, it's, it's so every setting, every time you you travel through time, uh, you lose all your weapons. Um, the basically the level palette changes, and you have a new set of weapons to go through a new section of levels. That in itself is kind of interesting. Uh, the downside is that uh, the weapons are terrible. Almost every time, every every area that you're in, uh, there will be up to six, I believe, different weapons, and they're. It's a safe bet that four of them will be awful. Uh, a lot of the weapons are hard to hit enemies with, and really easy to hit yourself with, or your friend. It's there's friendly fire. There's just it's really really agonizing to try and kill anything with the weapons in this game. Uh, the enemies themselves are largely uninspired, and some of them are just irritating. There are a couple interesting ones because there are kind of like bosses every now and then uh, at the ends of certain timelines. Uh, again, it's largely uninspired and some of them are just really really annoying or like do a lot of damage some of them are I, I mean the first section the very first level has like robotic dragonflies i think they're robotic maybe they're not and they spit poison at you or some shit but they're fucking tiny they're tiny and they fly around and you have to hit them a million times with a piece of garbage gun that you can't hit anything with because it's garbage and it's 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 great. <laughs> did you play this game at release? No. Or did you play it later? No, I played this game like five years ago. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What, like, was it received this way at release? It, like, it I was, don't think it did well. No, it did it, not do well at all. Um, not only that... Oh, shoot. This is another thing I should have had up. Um, there was... Uh, it's infamous for its... Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, uh, they had an ad campaign, which was, um, uh, yeah, John Romero's about to make you his bitch was, like, the tagline for Daikatana. Uh, nobody really knows why. Uh, apparently, he really, really regretted that after the fact. But <laughs> 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 Yeah, just that. That's the only thing. Oh my gosh! Yeah, wow. yeah. Was, I forgot about that. Yeah, it, it was yeah. it was pretty special. Um, yeah, they they released a few patches for it pretty quickly. Like they spent about half a year fixing shit, uh, and then they um, yeah yeah it just bleh, bleh, bleh. It was gross. Um, uh, sorry, I was on about the flying monsters that you can't see or shoot. Um, the, the chunks, like the, every time warp, whatever level zone has a, has like a color scheme. It's like every, they couldn't use decent art or level design to actually differentiate between the different time zones. I guess they thought they would get, you'd be confused if you're fighting a robot or fighting like Medusa. Maybe it's the same thing. I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't feel like the right, the same place. So they like crazily limited the artist's palette in every setting. So at first, all the levels are like green. Uh, 
Like fucking everything is green. The ground is green. The sky is green. The water is green. The monsters are green. Like everything is green. You shoot green bullets. And then you go to the next zone. It's like everything is gray. Everything is steel. So you got a normal gun. It's got like steel barrel. And you're shooting gray bullets. It's gray robots and gray turrets and blah, blah, blah. And everything is gray. And then you go to the next place. And like everything is yellow. You're in the desert now. And now you're yellow. And you shoot yellow snakes. And there's yellow other things. And yellow bats. And yellow fucking everything. And it's, it is just awful. It is like there's nothing inspiring to look at throughout 90% of the game it just it plays awful it looks awful the sound (laughs) the sound is hysterical as well there's actually uh still a running joke going on um with the guy I played the game with 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 one of the sounds that comes out of the game and it's not something that I'm (laughs) I'm that bears repeating in a recording recorded medium i'm just okay just not okay. gonna go there um oh dear it just oh. everything about the game is um it it's an exercise in patience i guess okay i don't think anyone has mm. ever had fun playing daikatana uh, you might be surprised. Single player. Oh, I, I've never heard of it. I mean, the game is infamous for being. Some people are into weird bad. shit, but uh, yeah. Apparently, the multiplayer was actually uh, kind of well received. Like it was bearable. It still um, didn't stand up. Like I think we're. Yeah, like Unreal Tournament had come I out. I played it, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was going to say Unreal Tournament would have been out by then. Even, um, it may have been before Quake 3. Yeah, I think so. But It would have been probably just before Quake 3. Um, but know. I mean, I would rather play Quake 2 than play Daikatana. Y- y- yes, yes. Um, it's, yeah. oh. Uh, you also leveled up in Daikatana as you killed things. That's interesting. Yes. I didn't know it had a leveling system. Uh, there were two important... But I never played it, yeah, so... Yeah, there were two important things about leveling up. You leveled up, hmm. uh, and you could increase your like your movement speed or how quickly you shot, or okay. your health pool, maybe, was one of the sure. things. I don't remember, but it was all pretty... <laughs> okay. It was all pretty sure. like yeah. small, yeah. small changes. But at some point, when you actually acquire the Daikatana, the Daikatana also levels up. But you have to kill like things with the Daikatana. So oh, yep. the penultimate part of the FPS that they made was getting into melee with things that are trying to shoot you to death. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's what people want to do at the end of a game, is get a wide arsenal of, of different weapons and then use a fucking sword. <laughs> You know how every other FPS in the world is like, welcome to the last level. Here, have a rocket launcher. Here, have all the rocket launchers. Here, have a big red button that like puts nukes all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Da- yeah Daikatana gives you a sword. The superpowered sword, though, Steve. Uh, it doesn't start off superpowered. It start. It's a sword. Yeah, it's it's a sword. <laughs> it's they a give sword. you a sword. So bad. <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. Oh, uh, I mean, brilliant. not that funny, but it's, it's oh, yeah. it's so fun. Um, also, uh, it's one of the few FPSs that features backtracking. You actually mm. have to, like, the levels aren't strictly linear. You do have to, there are some levels that have multiple exits. 
and mm-hmm. you have to go down one path and finish stuff to unlock things that are down the other path. So then you have to backtrack through some levels and then find the other exit in some place you've already been. And like, there's no indication that this is the case. And mm. God help you if you're relying on like art, art in the game to direct you to where to go, because ha ha ha. So wow. it, it was, oh, oh. Um, yeah, it sounds like you had a good time. It was, um, it was interesting. Um, if I've gone through my list of <laughs> list of rubbish to talk about here, um, yeah, that's that's. I guess that's a, a significant enough breakdown of uh, most of the game, most of the mechanics in the game, most of the garbage in the game. So the game in general. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so uh. <laughs> what made this valuable to play? Um, as I mentioned, it's a good exercise in patience. Yeah. It also, I wouldn't ever tell anyone to play through this game single player. Uh, the frustration with the AI alone, it, it's like continuously having to do the worst escort quest in the history of anything ever. It's just, oh, that sounds unpleasant. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's just awful. We like any escort quest is a bad escort quest. So no bad. So, don't ever play through Daikatana single player. If you enjoy that, um, I would love to hear um, how or why, because I I would love to understand how that comes about. Because I like I can't see it, and it's it's baffling to me. But playing through a multiplayer, if you go through a co-op, I think there's. Uh, just the experience of it is okay. is fascinating kind of the, kind yeah. of the same way um in a less endearing way but sort of a similar way that i talk about serious sam the way serious sam kind of subverts all your expectations right um, daikatana like it d- subverts your expectations but in a really bad unexpected not really on purpose <laughs> kind of way that sounds so bad. And it's it's that it's so bad. Well, it's really interesting. Uh, <laughs> and it 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 um, going through it with somebody else means that you, you know, especially if you both are into design or design or gaming in general, you can really like pick it apart. And as long as you're not like taking it to heart or anything like that, you get unlimited respawns, uh, which you don't get if you're playing single player. So have fun with that too. Okay, interesting. So, like, you can, if you get frustrated or you get stuck in a spot, you can just kind of, like, mash your own face into the gears until they stop and you get through. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's, a, it's horrible, you know, so, but yeah. so you can get through the game. Like, it's it's possible. It's not, um, it's, it's not frustratingly impossible to complete the game. It's just, uh, yeah, the, the fun isn't in the game. The fun is in experiencing the game with somebody else and going through it and like dissecting all the parts of the game and, and um, just enjoying it for what it has to offer, I guess. Um, right. There's also, uh, there are some completionist things you can do. Like every time you exit a level, it shows you how many monsters are left or how many secrets you didn't get to 
so you can in fact you know for, for completionists you can make sure you hunt down every enemy you can make sure you find all the secrets um, but yeah a lot of it is just kind of uh, enjoying a generic FPS and kind of finding a way to, to make your own fun in this broken sandbox <laughs> Oh, wow. Um, hmm. How? Okay. So the thing about Ramiro is he, like, he actually did a very good job of level design, um, I would argue, uh, because I played both Doom and Doom 2. Um, and a little bit of Quake. Uh, not as much Quake, though. Uh, I played a lot of Quake 2 multiplayer. Um, almost no Quake 2 single player, mm -hmm. but I don't think he was involved in that project. No. Um, but, uh... Well, I... He was he was known for, like, being really good at level design. Do you think that once he got his own company, he stopped designing levels and he was just trying to run it? Uh, that was part of it. Actually, his wife designed one of the... I don't remember it was one of the areas or one of the levels and it shows um i think did they do their own engine like because uh, that I, might have also been the lim a limiting factor I, as well like where was the tech coming from i think they oh no i think they oh shoot i oh i don't remember i'm gonna look that up real quick <laughs> okay because um, was, was it's tech say, too. i don't think they would yeah Oh, okay. So they they actually they were able to use yeah, it. Yeah. So that was the Quake um, Two engine. Yep. Because uh, yeah, I wasn't sure if Carmack would. Uh, it was one of the last games released on that engine. Yeah, I guess he probably would have technically owned it, right? Or maybe, I mean, they um, could have co-owned it. It's possible they just worked something out between them. Yeah. Oh, just yeah, bought the rights. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. But yeah, yeah. My understanding was he was always kind of like the wild, creative, like. Um, design is law was his mantra design is law design, yeah. design is law and I think uh, he and the other forces at id kind of combined they, they balanced each other out really well because yeah. like I mentioned like Quake 2 was really dull really uninspired uh, and Daikatana on the other hand was was like a somebody packed a shotgun shell full of idea pellets and just blasted a clusterfuck through the wall. <laughs> and I think <laughs> somewhere between those two, uh, th there's like, there was a ton of power. Like Quake came out of that. I'm going to keep mentioning Quake over Doom because Doom was good for different reasons. But Quake was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, it it was hmm. just it was so strange. Like there's so many tiny moments in that game, and for people who don't want to play through it, I should. One of the things that turned me on to playing it in the first place was a let's play. Um, done by Proteus and Suspicious. So I'll okay. I'll we'll throw a, a link to that let's play in the description as well. That way you can just listen to a couple of people shouting and screaming as they try and <laughs> bumble their way through this uh, experience. Uh, and okay. they do a good job. That they do a good job. great. Good. Um, yeah, yeah. They, it, like, the game wasn't received well. I think they, they knew that the engine was going to be a little bit dated. 
but uh, uh I, yeah it's i'm just it's a weird it's a weird artifact to see and kind of going through it and experiencing it is and it's just a novel thing i don't know if you got the time and you're into design play through the campaign with somebody please do a co-op and just <laughs> and just see or or don't, like give the single player a shot just so you can see what the ai is like yeah i feel bad for saying that don't i'm just kidding don't play through a co-op there's lots of stuff to look at you can dissect little bits and pieces and kind of especially if you're familiar with quake or quake 2 or ideally both of them um you can you can kind of see from quake kind of where the two brain children split and how these two um how these two other games came to be it's it's really really interesting Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Um, ouch. Uh, sorry, <laughs> my knee just cracked because I'm old. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't really have a lot of questions about this one. Like, it's a game that I'm not really, I don't think I will ever go and investigate. Um, it's like, it's infamous yeah. in the gaming community. Um, Maybe I should just watch a Let's Play. I would I would say follow your advice, and unless you are really interested in this artifact, just watch a Let's Play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you'll get the same things out of it, really. There's no, there's not a lot of, um, um, like like some games bring a lot more to the experience when you're playing them rather than seeing them played. I don't think <laughs> you got to worry about yeah. that here. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. You're gonna, you, that's you, fair. Like, you'll miss out on like uh, feeling the controls i guess which eh, yeah whatever you're not missing out much it's fine yeah hmm. okay cool uh any other parting thoughts before we move away from daikatana um it's uh, if you play it with somebody else it's interesting to see what the two of you or more of you can make fun in the game I'm a because friendly fire is there you could still have races between stuff um blowing each other up is obviously obviously going to happen uh you'll blow yourself up doesn't even matter if you try again the the guns in the game are fucking rubbish you will kill each other and yourselves all the time um mm-hmm. so yeah figuring out what you can find fun while going through the game is just a a fascinating social experiment to play on uh, a poor sap that you sucker into playing this game with you (laughs) (laughs) highly recommend it for that (laughs) okay yeah that's it hmm hmm okay well, cool, 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 cool. Um, so then, I guess let's. Uh, oh, Daikatana. Let's uh, let's shift away. Um, let's talk about what we've been playing. So, Stu, have you had much time to play video games? Oh, let me check. I've um. Oh, I've played uh, mostly recently. I've actually sunk a few hours into Deep Rock Galactic again. I don't know if I talked about that. I probably talked about that before, right? Dwarves mining, dwarves mining in space. Um, 
That space, sounds space like wars. it could end real bad for dwarves. Space dwarves mining. Well, it's uh, you like you launch you and up to three buddies into the core of a planet, and there's stuff mm-hmm. that usually, well, for the sake, there are a bunch of different mission types, but let's just say you're usually mining, um, gathering minerals, putting them in a mule yeah. so that you can fuck off back to your space station because you're trying to get mm-hmm. resources out there because the planet is actually infested with terrible buggy bugs um okay so you're kind of going through and trying to extract all these minerals and there are uh yeah it's just like bug infestation that is trying to kill you at the same time uh there are some bugs scattered around and every now and then you get a wave like a survival wave that you have to endure before you can keep moving on Mm -hmm. Hmm. yeah it's 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 neat it's fun there are four different classes to play in the game they are diverse they work really well as a team having a diverse team really makes a big difference it helps a ton so it it provides a really interesting co-op experience that is i i think right now harder to find in a lot of other games i recommend if you have a a normal like if you're normally playing games in a group of two to four i'd recommend it I mm-hmm. think it shines at three or four players, but even two, there's enough. Uh, there's there's enough there for for two people to to have a really good time with it. Okay. Um, hmm. That that's about it. Like a couple matches this might. Um, and <laughs> I'm looking forward to trying AI War Two. Okay. Yeah. Um, I kind of am as well because you're helping me get it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'll probably play that before I play Stellaris again. Um, cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, <laughs> what are you up to on Friday? Because <laughs> <laughs> I've got the day off. Uh, <laughs> seriously, we can probably investigate it. Um, so, uh, yeah, games I've been playing. Uh, Super Mario Party for Switch. So it's the new Mario Party that came out for Switch. There's supposed to be a bunch of really cool switchy things that you can do, like put two switches together, but I don't have that much money. I don't have another switch. <laughs> I don't know anybody else who owns a switch who lives near me. So I haven't done that, but I've played it. Um, if you've played a super Mario party, that's this game. There's a few other modes that you can play like a, a co-op multiplayer. There's a travel down a, a river, uh, <laughs> a game where you just play the mini games while traveling down a river. Um, I mean, there's different ways to play. Uh, there's a bunch of different ways to play. Uh, there's also the the old, old style uh, turn-based board game that every round ends in a mini game, um, where the the point is to just get a bunch of stars, and whoever has the most stars wins at the end. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's a Mario Party game. You don't know what a Mario Party game is? Just go on YouTube and type up Mario Party gameplay, and you'll get a pretty good idea really quick. Uh, am I enjoying it? Yes. Um, and also, what's interesting is it teaches you how to play pretty well. Uh, it seems a, it like it's a bit wordy, but there's not a lot of room for interpretation, right? Like you you get it. Also, the mechanics aren't that hard. Um, every single mini game. There's a window to start where it's a practice mode and everybody has to ready up. Um, if you don't ready up, the practice mode doesn't stop. Uh, so, and you can just play whatever little mini game you're about to play for an infinite time loop until you feel that you've mastered uh, whatever sort of uh, simple task <laughs> these mm-hmm. not complicated mini games uh, want you to accomplish. Um, and it's fun. It's variable. Uh, there's a lot of different uh, mini games that pop up 
I don't know the exact number. I don't really feel like looking it up right now, but um, there's enough variation that I've played through, I would say, I don't know, I've played maybe three or four full board games uh, worth, um, and they're, I would say I've probably replayed about maybe ten of the games, um, and each game, or each each time you play a full game, it's ten rounds. Um, so, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, so that's maybe over overlap. Um, so that's uh, ten out of thirty, so one in three. Um, but uh, yeah, oh, it's it's still a whole lot of games, and there's a bunch of different ways to play them. Um, it's fun. Uh, other than that, I played a bit of Into the Breach. I played a bit of Destiny Two. Not, uh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Destiny Two. Still really digging Into the Breach. That's a fun game that scratches all the itches that uh, I like. Turn-based strat. Um, and uh, yeah, I've unlocked a bunch of mechs in that game now, and I do all kinds of horrible things to those bug creatures. <laughs> it's a good time. <laughs> Um, if you want to know what Into the Breach is, just go on YouTube because there's tons of, uh, let's plays and gameplay videos. It's, it's, it's a fun time. Um, I'm not going to claim that I'm great at it because I'm really just playing on the easiest difficulty right now. I don't feel like turning it up and feeling bad about myself. Um, other than that, uh, playing Infinity, uh, already talked about that, having a great time in the league. The league is done after round eight, um, and then, I don't know, it's just like we've established a community, I guess we're just supposed to play with each other, we'll see how that goes. That's <laughs> <laughs> what you're supposed to do, Chase, come on. That's what you're supposed to do, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's really it for me, um. Oh, Pokemon's coming out next month. The new Pokemon for Switch. It's just a remake of the original game, but uh, I'll probably buy it because it's a Pokemon game, and <laughs> I am hopeless and like my JRPGs in the Pokemon variety. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, like what you like, yep. right? Um, cool. So I think that's all. That's all. Uh, I would go into what we learned from you, but nobody sent any emails in, so we're not going to do that. Yeah. Um, Easiest section so far tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, I mean, honestly, if somebody wants to email, they're more than welcome to. Uh, Please feel free to email us at learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. Share your thoughts about the show. Um, anything. Yeah. anything Play Daikatana and tell us what you ha- think. It doesn't have to be <laughs> about the show. You could just send us an email that is gibberish and we'd still read it. Um, because that's what that section's about. <laughs> um, or, you know, really, really just use the space. Enjoy yeah. it. Um, it's your platform. Because we will read your email out loud unless you're one of Sue's friends, in which case he will just paraphrase it because that's what he does. What? I haven't um, done that yet. <laughs> you've done it. No, nope, lies. It. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I'll, okay. Let's shift into the close. So I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. You being the audience, but Stu also thank you for listening to me. Um, 
we, that's Stu and I, hope that you've enjoyed yourselves. Uh, Stu, do you have anything you would like to plug this week before we shut her down? Uh, no. No, not right now. No, <laughs> okay. nothing, uh, nothing extraneous is, <sighs> is coming to mind. Um, thinking, thinking, thinking. Nope. Okay. Um, so I'm going to take the time to plug uh, Gorilla Miniatures Gaming again. I'm going to put a I'm going to put a uh, link in the show notes. Um, but uh, this is Ash. Um, he's actually the guy. He, he lives locally, so he lives in St. Catharines. If you if you follow his videos, uh, he does a bunch of miniature gaming videos for a bunch of different games. I feel like every time a new game system comes out, he's playing it. Um, but, uh, he's always been a big fan and a big supporter of infinity and he's the one running the league here. He's one of the reasons why we get to play on such really nice terrain. Um, because he was, he's, he supplied it. I mean, it's, it's cardboard terrain that comes with, uh, some of the sets, but when it's all put together, it still looks really, really nice and it's great to have painted models on it. Um, so yeah, uh, do him a solid support him. He's got a Patreon too. I'm not telling you to to throw money at him but you can if you want um he he produces good content he puts out a video every day um which is staggering uh yeah but he put yeah he does it uh or every business day um also i think his patreon is based uh per video so that there may be (laughs) incentive behind that yeah um but i mean i enjoy all of his videos um so uh, all of his videos that interest me like he does play some games i'm just like ah, i'm all right um but uh yeah definitely check him out if you're interested in infinity he's got some of the best uh best um uh not let's plays uh battle reports um out there um so definitely check that out i'd also like to thank dimitri for our intro music and outro music i'd like to thank joe for our art and i would like to thank you Stu, for hanging out with me for that long um so uh listeners if you want to know more about learn from gaming podcast uh we've got social media so we've got twitter uh we've got facebook and um i don't want to talk about the website because it doesn't exist right now um it used to and now it doesn't again but we do have um we do have a Podbean account, which is where we're hosting all the audio, and it's basically functioning like our major website. So our show notes are on there. You can access them without much trouble. Pretty sure our show notes uh, shift over to iTunes as well. I'm not sure if all the links work, though. But, uh, yeah, if you if you actually want to look at our show notes um, while the website is down, um, just go to Podbean because the, the, all the links still work. Um other than that, we're also on Google Sound, so we get uh, shifted to Stitcher and anything else. It's it's actually pretty cool. Um, but other than that, if you want to contact us, again, our email, I'm going to really, really push this one, is learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to just shoot us an email, uh, even if it's about your life. You know, you just want some personal advice from <laughs> Stuart Chase. <laughs> we'll give it to you. Can't promise it'll be good. But we'll give it to you. So, um, again, thanks for joining us. (laughs) And tune back in soon. Multiplying tragedies. One one Daikatana at a time. time.